0: Hey everyone, welcome to Creative BTS. This is Brian Boshe. And today we have a very special guest, Megan Reyes, who just went freelance in sports branding, social marketing, and pursuing a little bit of on-air talent. Would love to see that. Welcome to the podcast, Megan.
1: Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh coming up with a good title for me. Exactly.
0: Yeah, we'll refine it. You can it. work on your personal brand. <laughs> it'll it'll be great. Uh, but one of the areas that we talk a lot about on creative BTS is sports and athletes and branding. This is one of my favorite areas. So as soon as I saw you going freelance to focus on this, wanted to bring you on, you've worked at so many fun companies. So let's just start there. Do you want to go? You don't have to go over your whole resume. Um, but you know, you, when I think I started following you were at the, at the athletic then blue wire pods, you've worked for the warriors you are all over the place um, in terms of companies that I would dream to work for. So do you just want to cover kind of your experiences and your professional background a little bit?
1: Yes. Um, how can I best condense this without just pulling up my LinkedIn and being like, and on 2009, um, yeah, it started in college. I got, um, a marketing internship when I was a student at my university's athletic department, very Mm -hmm. small school, uh, university Idaho, which many people probably, have not heard of or don't know. I do.
0: I went to Bozeman high school, so I knew a lot of people that went to Idaho. Alex Brecky, oh my- track team. Do you have any idea who how that did is? How
1: we never talk about this? I didn't <laughs> know you're from Montana.
0: Yeah. Alex Brecky, okay. does that ring a bell? He was like the fastest person I ever met. Uh, no. Vandals. All right. That's okay. That's like, oh my God, that's like 10 years ago now. All right. Continue before I realize how old <laughs> I'm getting.
1: Yeah. So I started in the athletic department and um, small school, small program, but you know, the the experience, the game day roles are still the same. And I didn't know a career in sports was possible. This was 2009, so there wasn't social media. Yeah. You, you weren't able to see some of the careers that people had outside of like your standard corporate marketing or HR job. Um, I fell in love with it and I wanted everything and anything to do with it. So from the time I was 18 to now, I've been fortunate to work on the team side, on the media side, I mean, between internships and full-time jobs. I've had the pleasure of working at Portland Timbers, the Golden State Warriors, Oregon Ducks on the media side, um, a little adjacent there. I spent some time at 2K, so I got a little bit. Yeah, of I saw that. Video game and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit of that and then went to the athletic, like you said, and blue wire. And now I made the crazy and brave choice to be self-employed. So I am very fortunate, though, because those experiences were unintentionally well-rounded i think maybe i'm just speaking for myself but at that point a lot of people if you want to be in sports you kind of will take any opportunity that's given to you and early in my career so long as each transition wasn't lateral i was going to take it because i believed that that would help me grow in hindsight and unintentionally it did but you know i went from ticket sales to ticket services to the nitty gritty cold calling to partnerships, the social. And so it all sort of grew and snowballed and culminated into a spot where I'm at now, where I feel like I've been able to see so many different facets of the industry that I'm more comfortable yeah. kind of going out on my own. So that is my condensed cliff notes. Yes, that's
0: great. And was the athletic experience. the first, first time where you really went into the social side of things and really focused on that area?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So before that, it was kind of again sort of unintentionally building my own personal social presence and I had more of an opportunity to get tangible professional hands-on experience and social while at the athletic Mm -hmm. Um, when I was there in 2018 still a small or 2019 still a small company so lots of different hats if someone was gone and needed the account managed for a day or two, I jumped in there. So that's when I really got to learn and see from the outside. And then an opportunity came where I got to transition full-time and work with and for my dear friend, Olivia Wither, right. And uh, yeah, she taught me a lot and I learned a lot and that's where I got my first like real
0: social professional
1: social experience. Yeah.
0: And then was blue wire more athlete focused? What was kind of your role at blue wire?
1: It was a lot uh, again. So it yeah, was actually really startup,
0: <laughs> it's like yeah. a fast growing startup stage. Yeah.
1: Yes. Which, you know, more than anything in Blue Wire, like when I got to the athletic at that point, it was more hyper growth yeah. systems were in place. Um, it was more just kind of starting to take things from ideation to execution. And my time at Blue Wire was all of it. Like Like building the business. Yeah. Yeah. True, true. Like some building processes while also trying to ideate and execute. So what was really cool is they brought me on based on that snowball of experience that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So I got to kind of touch different projects and areas of the business that made sense that maybe they needed me or I wanted to work on. So some of that was helping with social. Some of that was a lot of it was branding, I worked under our head of marketing and together we were working on a, a whole brand refresh and strategy and then trying to take our mission and our values and create smaller campaigns and moments throughout the both sports and the culture calendar that still can funnel up to what Blue Wire's yeah. overall brand is. Um, and then I did get to do some really fun calls, prospecting content creators, athletes, yeah. um, influencers, entertainers, really just trying to bring people on and make cool stuff with Blue Wire. So it's, so funny. Cause I would make this joke all the time, but depending on who asked me and what day I was asked, my answer at what I did there changed. Um, yeah, because yeah, exactly. it was well, that's, like, that's most startups, so many different yeah. yeah.
0: And so I've, I've done really well on in my interview style. If I usually answer my own question while I ask the question. So I'll try not to do that okay. in this one, but okay. athletes, sports entertainment, it's a really exciting industry. Their brands are becoming more valuable than ever before. So what kind of excited you to pursue opportunities with sports and with athletes? Because you do have a broad experience and you decided to go freelance and kind of focus on the specific area. What excited you about this specific area of brand sport athletes?
1: Particularly when it comes to athlete branding, we, those in the industry, you know, we're not dense to the fact that this has been a untapped potential for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of athletes that have been doing it. And we see a lot more now within, I would even say, I'd argue in the last, maybe even year and a half, yeah. um, venturing out and doing their own branding. pandemic,
0: Especially. Yeah. It's all gotta be mm-hmm. virtual. They want to communicate and they can't do it in person.
1: Exactly. And so we see this happening. We know that NIL is happening and where I saw an opportunity and a passion for even just in conversations with friends or people that I've had introductory calls with, they want to get to whatever this end point is, point B, where they can make the investments or have the partnerships and start to build this brand. Um, and they don't know how to get there. And we know that this point B, just like any company, we can consider the like, the activation in the sales yeah. part of the brand. Where I think it gets overwhelming for a lot of athletes and where I got excited is they have not yet start started to even think about just who they are mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. what they want their brand to be. And so I know e- even since I mentioned going freelance, I've had some really cool calls or people being like, Hey, we help with the actual monetization point. And a lot of our athletes just don't know where to start, but that's because they want to jump to point B and they they want to start getting the partnerships and they don't know how, or they're like companies aren't reaching out and I'm getting overwhelmed. And I understand it. It's because. I feel like there's a hole that hopefully I can help fill space in where a lot of people are helping with a monetization standpoint Um, and a lot of athletes, especially maybe not the Patrick Mahomes or the Tom Brady's don't know what they want their brand to be. And by helping them develop that part, hopefully they can, then the experts in the monetization space can help them from there. So I saw that opportunity that really excites me because even just beyond sports, that's really just helping people figure out who they are. Yeah. And I really like that part.
0: Yeah. I we just had or uh, I just had Jesse Chuku on the last podcast where he went from professional basketball player to now millions of followers on TikTok. He does like all these comedy sketches and everything. He's British. So he does a lot of British in America type jokes. And he talked about like he'd always been creative, but he felt the stigma of creating content and being himself while he was an athlete because he felt mm-hmm. like he would be judged. And that Mm -hmm. if they lost three games in a row, people would be like, why are you doing this, you know, ball Mm -hmm. wall type content when you need to be Mm -hmm. focused on the game. And I think you're right though. He's kind of realized that like, no, I can be a human being outside of uh, being an athlete. And that's important, especially if you want to build your brand. So that segues perfectly into my next question is what kind of things do you find make a really strong brand for an athlete? And then maybe if there's any athletes that stand out to you that you really appreciate and know that they have a strong brand. Uh, As examples of that,
1: yeah, you know, I and I think this also just comes down to humans, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of outside of of sports too. Is just that authenticity factor is really, really important. Um, When I even just have initial calls, even with friends, even with non athletes, even with creators or people that want to grow as a professional, because everybody has a brand and everybody should have a brand, I always just ask people, like, who do you want to be? And what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. And it's so funny, because I always get either laughed at, or they get frustrated, because it's a deep question. And uh, this is a whole nother tangent, but years and years of therapy, I've kind of become numb to the fact that sometimes I ask really deep questions, (laughs) (laughs) because anytime I ask this again to a friend, to athletes, they're like, I don't know, that's what you're supposed to help me with. I'm like. I, I understand, but who do you, as a person, want to be known for, mm-hmm. outside of being an athlete? And then from there we can start. And so the authenticity factor I think is really important, um, and I think there's also a level of making sure that each athlete or person we can insert, you know, again, whoever wants to have their own personal brand, mm-hmm. is portraying who they are and who they want to be, and not who they think others want them think they to are. be. Mm -hmm. And so authenticity, I think is really, really important. And and because of that, some athletes that really stand out to me with a strong personal brand are people like Naomi Osaka, people Mm -hmm. like Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage. And honestly, a lot of these women athletes that are, have stood for and are vocal about causes that they care about outside of sports, social social justice, mental health, other passions, other causes, anything in the community, because that's who they are. That's what makes them authentic. And I kind of see different buckets. There's so many other very good personal brands. I mean, you can look at, again, the Patrick Mahomes and the LeBron James. That's also because they're worth so much money. Yeah. And so that's a billionaire level. Yeah.
0: You get to the Tom Brady LeBron. Yeah.
1: That's also because they're able to make investments and they're able to really grow their portfolio. So I look at it in different buckets, but when I'm looking at someone's, you know, even on a, on what we would consider a micro level and We can also go into a whole nother probably conversation as to why women athletes probably are best at personal branding, because they know it's a shorter opportunity to leverage their name and they have to create something for themselves outside of sports given inequity and pay and all of that. But it's because I know that we can look at Naomi Osaka, Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage if we wanna use those three examples. And we know they care about social justice. They care about mental health off the court. We know what they stand for. And so those personal brands stand out to me a little bit more when someone asks me, because I know that anything they do, any partnerships they do, they do will probably be true to some of those really deep rooted passions.
0: Yeah. And it's so hard. You're right. Cause I, I was speaking to a friend who is playing college basketball and he was trying to take advantage of name image likeness. And it's like, so what do you enjoy doing? Like outside of the sport? And you know, this is an 18 year old. So it's like, I like going to the Lake. I like, you know, I like the initiative. You're right. A lot of these athletes haven't really thought about it to that level and I totally agree. Therapy really helps you learn how to communicate about yourself. So if you haven't try therapy, it's extremely <laughs> helpful in communication. What kind of things do you ask these athletes or how do you get them to actually figure out what they like to do outside of their sport or who they are outside of their sport? Are there things you found tricks, tips on bringing that out of them?
1: It's those the experience of therapy, the, the probing questions, the almost yeah. just kind of pushing them on it. And again, this comes to which I'm very fortunate or I'm very glad to see the shift in how companies, universities, individuals are viewing the importance of athlete branding, but they've just never been asked this question, probably even from youth level, collegiate level before going professional. A lot of coaches
0: are not asking this question. They're not (laughs) asking this question. Yeah. It's not happening on the court or on the field.
1: (laughs) And you know, a lot of times too, if they get asked and they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. And a lot of people are like, okay, I'm not going to push you on it, but it's really just, I have yet to find a perfect trick, but it's just really, Respectfully probing, I kind of have learned, which again, I guess, I've subtly picked up in therapy because my therapist does it to me. I kind of learn those roundabout ways. Like, okay, you know, you don't know what you want to be known for. Like, do you have hobbies? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like really like photography. Oh, okay, you really like hanging out with your family, so you'd consider yourself family oriented and artistic. Really cool. Would you want to be a photographer after? You know, you retire, what are things you like to shoot? Oh, so you really care about nature. So I've kind of learned to ask those probing questions where I feel like they get frustrated with me because they know they're in a therapy session and they're being forced to look in the mirror, but oftentimes they start to realize, okay, yeah, I guess I do like that. I guess I do have interests outside of sports. Maybe I do have a brand. I've just never really thought about it that way, but I really just start to ask. And maybe even before I come straight into the, what do you want to be known for? like the, tell me about yourself. Cause I mm-hmm. try and just mentally take notes and see if they align later when I ask that question. Yeah. Cause oftentimes it probably does. They just aren't realizing that those are their passions and values that they could probably create a brand from.
0: And I know you said stay very authentic, but do you ever f- go first of like, what brands do you really like? And what's their audience? Like, is that the wrong way to go about it? Like I love, you know maybe it's a fishing outfitter or maybe it's Patagonia. I, lo- I, I want to land a deal with them. What's their audience like? How can I fit within their audience the right way? Is that the wrong way to go about it? Or does that kind of maybe help them develop who they are, kind of what their interests are?
1: That's a good question. I don't think it's a wrong way to go about it. I think it's a good supplementary question. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think probably if I was having a call with someone, I would probably ask that a little bit later. So that they don't start to formulate their answers around.
0: Yeah. Based on the target audience of whatever yeah, Based around the
1: company they want to work with and trying to appeal to that, to that target audience. So I think I try and get them to think about themselves first, to remain that, to remain that authenticity Mm -hmm. and then ask, you know, what are some ideal partners? What are some ideal brands? Who are other people you find inspiring to start to put the pieces together without ever falling short-sighted on who they are and not who they want who they think others want them yeah. to
0: be who they who their like character needs to be maybe to fit that brand or something
1: yeah because um, that's not sustainable
0: yeah yeah and it's it gets you get burned out you know if you have to create mm-hmm. content around that all the time and it's not you then it's it's an awful experience yeah. Uh, so let's say you figured out what their pillars are, what they're, you know, their, their pillars of personality or whatever branding terms you want to use for I use let's say pillars. You, pillars, Yeah. So let's <laughs> say you, you figured out their pillars. How do you start to kind of conceptualize that brand or start to build that plan with them? What does that process look like for athletes to start kind of creating around those brand pillars?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, let's say let's, Okay. Maybe this is, this is certainly apples to oranges because I am not a professional <laughs> athlete. But like, <laughs> I'll use my personal experience as yes, an example because I, I can confidently point to that. And then if people want to draw parallels, please, so be it. But, you know, mental health, which I've actually been wearing a shirt about, yep. is something that I care passion- so deeply about, so passionately about, and I would consider it a a pillar. Mm-hmm. And kind of going back to holding that thought, going back to that, that's exactly what I have them do is I literally ask them, you know, every brand, every person should have pillars. What do you want yours to be? So that is the buzz term I use. Um, and I would consider mental health one of mine. And so I started to think similarly, what content can I create? Like I'm not a licensed therapist. I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about from, but from my own experiences, what content can I create? And for me, it was, um, a podcast. Mm -hmm. It was short form, content as far as reels and TikToks around things that I have learned. And I was able to create that space. So if some if a person or an athlete has a passion that they really care about and they have platforms and there's maybe um a hole in that channel. For example, it's quite easy. I'm sure I could easily land on mental health TikTok, but maybe someone that's talking about it in the sports landscape, Mm -hmm. I can probably think off the top of my head, a few. So if there's an opportunity and maybe they already have a large TikTok following or have yet to create one, we know what growth is like on TikTok. It's unreal. Um, There's an opportunity there Mm -hmm. for them to fill that void and create content. So I think it really just depends on the pillar and it depends on... The cross-channel following they have, where they maybe feel the most comfortable, because again, it's all yeah. about authenticity. Um, some people they were really bullish on TikTok, but they knew that there's a good opportunity because again, as we know, anyone be- yeah. can become an overnight sensation, um, so long as they are comfortable actually creating that content. I think there's so many different different areas, and again it's not just social there's other digital platforms if someone wants to become a writer you know start writing content putting yeah. publishing it um i actually had on on my podcast a college women's basketball player who loves writing and we mm-hmm. talked about it and she loves writing and while this wasn't a branding conversation it was an interview style similar to this i learned a lot about her and i asked her what made you want to start writing? A lot of it was a therapeutic form for her. And I asked her, what made you want to put it on the internet? And it was because she wanted to share her story. But if I were to then take that conversation and want to work with her on her brand, it's like, okay, you really enjoy writing. You have it on the internet. That's a form. That's a way for you to create content. If you wanted to become a writer or anything in that space, you have that platform now and you can go, go with it. So I, the point saying is that there's more to than just social, you know, yeah. dancing on TikTok or, or doing the things you can create podcasts, you can create shows, people that want to be on, on camera, anybody for better or for worse, anybody can get a mic and a green screen and start making yep. YouTube content, whatever it may be. There's so many different opportunities. Um, it's getting creative. It's being authentic. Yeah. And it's really using the platforms that they have in the moment.
0: Do you find it helpful to actually have like a content plan that you put together for an athlete or is that overkill for a lot of them so it's not as authentic like if we get into the weeds how much do you like structure hey you know you got to go you're going your channels are Instagram TikTok and you know you're going to have a podcast you need to do this many a week this many a day do you get that granular with them do they respond well to that
1: Um I I like to have it loosely in place okay. the only reason being is in my experience they get really overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. Given, they have so many other things to manage yeah. too.
1: Given practice, training, games, travel, I I, I found some have like a, a fear of committing to some of these projects, not mm-hmm. knowing whether they'll burn out, if their schedule will allow, you know, they're putting their name out there so they don't want to yeah. commit to something. And then if they have to pull back or people start to wonder what happened to this person's tiktok yeah. series or what happened to this person's youtube series um so i like to have it in place just as as goals you know this is what we yeah. should be targeting or this is in my mind trying to guide them gently towards like hey we should do a tiktok this week or we should do a you know you should do a post this week without forcing it on them because yeah. i think it becomes overwhelming
0: Yeah, and And I can
1: only imagine. I get overwhelmed, and again, I'm not a professional athlete, and (laughs) I don't have the schedule they do. So i I personally don't like to to put those guardrails up because I feel like then it becomes not as exciting for them anymore.
0: Yeah, it can, and it can really hurt your confidence when you start like a bubble or wobble series, and you're behind the scenes, and then you don't make another TikTok for you know months and months, and people are like, "Where are you?" It it can be kind of you know, it's it, it kind of hurts your ego a little bit or you're, or you're like, Oh, I've waited too long to do the next one. I can kind of stop you. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to be an athlete managing that, especially when there might be expectations for you and you don't want to start yeah. a road to the championship. If you lose, or, you know, that's maybe focusing yeah. on the wrong thing. So does emphasizing right. the goals help, I guess, like what becomes the North star for them to stick to that type of schedule. Is it the brand deals? Is it kind of landing thing opportunities outside of the sport that helps, what should athletes focus on to maybe get them through those more difficult times of producing content at that scale?
1: Yeah, I think it's whatever their end goal is, whether it's a brand deal monetization, um, whether it's just establishing who they are for that post playing career. Mm -hmm. Um, some might be more qualitative, some might be more quantitative, um, I think just keeping that in mind as that north star will help because, for example, if somebody wants to become a broadcaster after their post-playing career, yeah. it's a little it's a little more tricky to measure that success as it would yeah. with like, hey, okay, we've closed three brand deals this quarter. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can see the growth as far as like podcast appearances or maybe creating their own content and just knowing. People are watching. Don't think people are watching. Maybe we don't have, we can't point to like, we did X brand deals and you brought in X amount of dollars, but know that people are watching and start making those connections so that when the time comes, you have already established yourself as someone that can be on both sides of the mic and somebody that is comfortable talking about the sport or whatever the off the field passion may be. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky, but if they can always keep that goal in the back of their mind and know. That maybe, because again, I know athletes are competitive. I know they want to see results. That's what drives them inherently by nature. So it can be very discouraging, probably not to see some of that results out there in the world. But I think what a lot need to know is people are paying attention Yeah. and maybe quietly. I, again, different experience have seen that where I've gotten messages even since I went freelance where people like, it's so cool. Like I've been watching in the curtains, you know, in the wings this whole time. And it's so cool to see what you've done. I didn't know. And that I could have, and have been discouraged along the way. So it's important for athletes to know that people are definitely paying attention and Mm -hmm. when a time comes for maybe whether it's a brand deal or I also, I like to really, part of the reason I got, wanted to get into this was to help them succeed for post-playing, but, um, to know that sometimes people are just waiting for that moment. And maybe when that, that retirement announcement comes, it's like, let's go, yeah, <laughs> let's go get that person. Yeah, it's yeah. time. And so again, you may not be seeing those results now, but people are definitely paying attention. Yeah.
0: Setting yourself up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You see it with like the Richard Jefferson road trip mm-hmm. and pod and you see what, what Draymond's doing now. Like you're like, oh, there, that's the path to being a broadcaster. You can see what they're oh, doing.
1: Draymond's going to be on TNT oh, my, the moment so he good. retires. He's going to be
0: so good. <laughs> Um, and we have a, a question, first audience question, uh, from Abby Lowe, who's a professional uh, basketball player in for the Newcastle Eagles here in in the UK. Okay. Uh, they're in the WBBL. How and she incredible TikTok, by the way. She is putting oh, in work. Okay. She's helping the Eagles with her TikTok. She's all over TikTok on every trend. She's an incredible content creator.
1: And okay. her question
0: is, how do we make our posts reach the right target audience? So she's putting out all this content. I'm sure she's wondering, how do I actually get this in front of the right people?
1: Is she talking about on
0: TikTok? I think it's it a hard question. I TikTok's to... hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all know. I was going to say, I don't even think TikTok knows how to crack that algorithm. I know.
0: You're like, oh, uh, I just went viral in Indonesia or I just went viral in Saudi Arabia. Great. I'm glad they're paying attention to this photo tip.
1: I mean, I just laugh because like my most viral... "Quote unquote," TikTok was like something about me being Filipino. I'm like, come on, guys! Like, I'm trying to build. It's
0: I'm hard trying to, control. to build.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to talk about sports and branding, and you wanted to take this TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: these are very hard questions.
1: Yeah, that is and a I'm, hard
0: I'm, I'm Off the cuff, let's just let's just give her a, give her a good response. <laughs>
1: That is a tough question because there, yeah, as we know, there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, It's knowing the audience. So if her audience is how old is she?
0: Uh, Probably early twenties.
1: Okay. So if her audience is like millennial to Gen Z, we know what channels they live on likely Mm -hmm. TikTok, maybe a little less Instagram. Maybe it is Snapchat, which I still can't really wrap my brain around that. So many people still use Snapchat, (laughs) but there is, you know, Snapchat, subscription so it's really just knowing like looking at some of that high level data Mm -hmm. knowing who that target demo is and um any potential gender and putting it in front of the right channels because if let's say her audience is gen z but she's trying to get the content in front of people on twitter I don't know if that's where their audience lives. Probably, probably yeah. not. And then there's also the nuance of what channels people use in different countries versus, you know, yeah. what I know here in the States. So like it's Facebook really just... is huge
0: here. Did you what? know that? Yeah. They love <laughs> Facebook here. Facebook, Facebook, not Instagram. Facebook is huge. And I'm still oh. wrapping my brain around it. I
1: did not know that. See, these yeah. are nuances I I don't know. And so while a lot of us here probably use Facebook in the States for like, business manager aspect and having Mm -hmm. the page and maintaining some presence for what a lot of us would agree is like the older demographic. Yeah, If that's huge over there, then you should be putting the content on Facebook. So it's really just knowing your audience. And I would also say taking even just the business lens off of it, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would assume she is her own target demo as a consumer. Where would you want to see your content?
0: Yeah.
1: As a consumer, what content would you want to see? How often would you want to see it? what would you care about? Mm-hmm. Remove yourself, consider yourself the target demo. If you're not watching content on Instagram, maybe it's not supposed to go there.
0: Yeah. That's a great off the cuff response. I think the first one is like, yeah, who, who is it? What channels do they live on? And then really kind of experiment with the types of content that they might want to see. That's a great answer. I feel um, like
1: I'm in like a business class getting I know, it's like
0: How do you target your right customer? Great question, Abby. Thank you for the question. Um, okay. This is kind of it's going along the, um, the authenticity and uniqueness but there's a lot of athletes that try their hands at like ventures outside of the sport the sneaker deals you know with you at 2k a lot of them are streaming they're creating wine labels clothing merch so kind of once they define their brand pillars which could be more generic you know it could be you know mental health basketball uh i stream 2k and then i love you know whatever the you know uh this brand this particular type of fashion how do they make themselves unique? Like what things do you pull out of those pillars? or how can an athlete understand what makes me unique and distinguishable versus everyone else who might also like video games and basketball?
1: Yeah, I think to your point, it does come to that authenticity, the mm-hmm. personality, the voice and tone. You can have one person, like we can have three athletes in front of us unnamed. I can't think of one off the top of my head that you said. Maybe they all sh- maybe they all get on t- uh, Twitch. They all stream themselves playing video games and they're drinking a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Why would I watch person A stream over B over C? It, yeah. it comes to the authenticity. It comes to the personality, the tone. Is it someone you just want to like hang out with? Again, if mm-hmm. we're using the example of Twitch, if I'm going to sit here and watch your stream, I should feel like I'm hanging out with you and I want yeah. to hang out with you. And I like your personality and you're someone I would align with someone I'd want in my circle um, would help that person stand out more than
0: putting on a character who hasn't quite
1: yet figured out their, yeah, their tone and their voice and, and who they are. And I think sometimes too, we can maybe subconsciously get a a feel for some of these brand partnerships that don't seem as authentic. Yeah. And that maybe are, are just a true, a true monetization, like exchange of, uh, of money, shake hands. Cause that, that authenticity, you just kind of, it's, it's there, you notice it, or you don't notice it. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you can tell that the person really has figured out their personality, their tone, it makes sense, that will always stand out to me. And I'll, I'll always come back to that. I mean, we use the example, you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's, it's a different, it's kind of going on a tangent, but um, Juju is who Juju is. Mm-hmm. It's who he will always be. He, people will love him and hate him for his TikToks. He does not care he shouldn't care because he yeah. set himself up for success well after he stops playing football yeah. but his personality just keeps you know people coming back and you know who else has a wonderful personality that i love on their social content alfonso davies i'm obsessed with him he has <laughs> the best personality he always makes me laugh so if a soccer player or a football player wanted to you know he cares about video games yeah soccer, if he's streaming FIFA versus maybe a different person, you know, same on paper um, qualities and qualifications. I know that Alfonso Davies has like a hilarious personality. I would sit and watch his stream. Yeah. Cause he's uh, just being who he is.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to switch gears to more of the brand side, but I, there's a lot of soul searching that needs to happen with personal branding. I think that's why it's so hard. Like there's it it's hard. so much about being authentic, knowing yourself, kind of diving into yourself, which is, which is really hard. This, that's why this is not an easy thing. Um, No,
1: it is really difficult. And so that's why when people get discouraged, like don't get discouraged because it's, it's not something it's, it's, it's deep rooted. It's really asking someone who are you? And that is a difficult question.
0: And I found even like starting this process of becoming a content creator, you're starting to post more about yourself, you kind of figure out who you are as you do that, you know, you'll post some things and you're like, Oh, that, that's not really what I want to do. Or like, I, I'm going to post these things. Oh, that felt right. So you can almost mm-hmm. kind of figure it out as you go to, you don't need to have it. It's all trial and error. You start. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a really, really good point. Um, I've actually have spoken about that also in some other like presentations of it's trial and error. You don't know. You might think like my audience really cares about this. You can put out a, a post or a piece of content and it doesn't land. And sometimes that's disappointing because you're like, dang, I thought that was I really loved good. that. Yeah. Yeah. But now you Olivia know just did and that's that. okay.
0: <laughs> Olivia yeah. just did that trend on TikTok. Uh, which I love is like, why do you keep making TikToks if no one watches them? And it's like, I watch them, I like yeah. them. Yeah. I yeah, saw I that one. That. Yeah. yeah. Like
1: you didn't know. And if there if the purpose is like cuz I know Olivia just does it for fun, yeah, that's for her purpose. She's not trying to get in front of anybody or, you know, grow a massive TikTok audience. But if you are, and maybe sometimes a post or a piece of content or a campaign maybe not hits your expectations, that's okay. It's trial yeah. and error. Now you know.
0: Yeah. Olivia, two shout outs on the spot by the way. I She's know. I'll have to text Love her it. after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if we switch to more of the brand side, what have you found are some best practices for brands to work with athletes? And that can be open-ended, contacting them, working with them. Um, you know, I know you're you were mostly focusing on kind of building the athletes uh, side of it. But what have you found brands have done really well when they work with athletes?
1: The really natural, organic integration. You know, I actually, this is really off. I'm going to go a roundabout way. Um, do you follow... We're on a whole Go TikTok. It. Let's uh, see it. Yeah, let's We're see on a whole <laughs> TikTok thing here. Do you follow Corporate Natalie on oh, TikTok? Yes, I feel like course. everybody follows Corporate Natalie. Yes. Um, I, her most recent piece of content was her Dell partnership. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw it's like her bringing her laptop everywhere because like we work from home and nobody can unplug. It took me almost to the end of the TikTok to realize it was a branded piece of content. Yeah because it literally is just the type of TikTok she would create. It was funny. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even paying attention to the computer until actually I went to the comments and somebody was like, that was the most natural brand partnership I've ever seen. Yeah. And then I read her caption and was like, oh my God, that was a Dell partnership. Mm-hmm. So I think where brands can best work with athletes is really, really allow them to create content that is so authentic and organic to them yeah. and to not as much as possible because I know it can be difficult especially with some certain larger brands to not control the copy and the messaging and the tone too much because mm-hmm. that's where it really comes across as like just mm. a, a monetization play that's
0: where you get like the sellout comments like oh don't yeah. sell out yeah yeah and so
1: there. just like a real my f- top of mind general thought is like really just allowing the creator whether it is an athlete just the creator to be really really true to them I loved that partnership because again it was just so on brand for Natalie and I didn't even notice the partnership it was so subtle
0: that's a great example and that's such good advice too because you do you'll see just like normal post normal post normal post and then they'll be like here's the makeup I use and it's just like an overhead shot of makeup or it's an overhead shot of ties or whatever the partnership is and you're like oh like this isn't your type of content why am I just getting an ad now yeah that's and I have and I've
1: been in just even professional experiences where we try and then the brand will come back and just completely change the copy for so many different reasons especially with the really really large corporations you get it you can't really control that but then they're like okay well now it's a little less authentic and organic but
0: yeah well that is a perfect you know how that goes yeah that's a perfect segue into Christine Kupo's amazing questions. Another audience question here. I'll just ask you one because you had three great ones. We don't have enough time to fully cover all of them, but with that note of, of allowing the creators to be authentic, how have you been able to cultivate and differentiate, or how have you been able to uh, cultivate all of these differentiated voices of these creators that represent the overarching brand? So allowing the creator to be themselves while still having them all aligned to maybe a specific campaign theme or a brand theme.
1: Yeah. So I can like use an example at Blue Wire. So again, overarching brand messaging is inclusion, diversity, you know, really trying to do something outside of sports media, something outside of what tra- traditional sports media are doing, especially when it comes to underrepresented communities and voices. So any of these cultural or sports moment campaigns we were doing, whether it was, you know, women's history month or pride, or even just tent pole sports moments, yeah. you know, as we all know, um, when we were creating these campaigns, a lot of it because our main um, communication tools are social, mm-hmm. again, a push and pull, cause we're trying to grow while also trying to create content. Another, another, uh, yeah. <laughs> another tent talk on how that can be difficult, yeah. but making sure that if we are a company that stands for amplifying underrepresented voices. Let's make sure that within our whole pool of creators and talent, that we are representing each community, and that we can get as much representation as possible, so that everything is organic. Um, there, you know, what we would not want to do is put out a campaign and say that we are a company that represents and creates a safe space for people to be who they are, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, you know, sexual orientation, and then have a campaign that speaks completely opposite to that. We see that all the time, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: all the time, even outside of sports. Um, So a lot of it is just having that lens and that really intentional lens is what I really try and do. And what, why would a company, how do I best say this? Basically like the individual, the creator, what they care about is what the company should care about. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we have those voices included in the campaign um, and part of the creation process is something that I always, always, always try and push for.
0: Yeah.
1: Because um, we can act and pretend like we know what our target audience wants. But unless we give that individual the space and the voice to be a part of the campaign and tell us what is important to them and their target audience, like, it, it's... At that point, it would only be a one-way communication tool. So yeah. the point being is I try and cultivate all these differentiated voices by including them in the first place yeah. and by having that really intentional lens of making sure, like, do we have good representation?
0: Well, if it's like a really authentic partnership and they're the right creator for the campaign or for the brand, then they'll kind of help you. They might know it better than you do, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that Including exactly. them early on can really help and not just mandating this is what you will present or this is the message you need to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good feedback. Exactly. Okay. Last question here. Another audience question. You've come up with a ton of great examples already, but I'm gonna ask for one more. Or Max's. Oh boy. This is Max Simpson. Throughout your career okay. with all of your different perspectives and experiences, what has been your favorite part about how athlete personality is expressed?
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. I've I've interpreted this a couple ways in my head. It's like the favorite way they've done it, like maybe favorite channels, favorite ways. How are you interpreting that from Max?
1: I don't know. Wait, what are the different Throughout ways you interpret it? Throughout
0: your career, this is a great mm-hmm. one, Max. Throughout your career, all of your different perspective experiences, what has been your favorite part about how athletes express their personality? or how athlete personality is expressed? Is it juju jumping on a Fortnite stream with ninja? Is it, you know, doing a charity golf tournament? Is it launching a clothing line? Cause they can go so many different directions and get so creative. What are some of your favorite ways they've expressed their personality? I think that's what he's getting at.
1: I think that's how I interpret it also. Um, but I'm gonna answer in two ways.
0: Okay.
1: My, my favorite part is even just seeing that athletes are starting to express their personality Mm -hmm. Um, because kind of like what you mentioned earlier at the top, a lot of people that maybe don't understand the content creation space, the industry that we work in really feel it's that I really hate to say, but it's that stick to sports audience that are like, you shouldn't be doing this. You lost Juju. Why are you dancing on the court? Why are you dancing in the locker room? Like you just lost a playoff game. So to see them even express their personality with no regrets without fear of what people think. I love honestly to even begin in the first place because a lot of people are afraid to. And a lot of people just like employees, they're kind of afraid to be an extension of the team they work for. I get it. Millions of dollars on the line. They don't want to cost themselves um, their job and their paycheck, maybe because of a piece of content that they thought was good. So even just seeing them step out and take that bravery to express who they are, because for so long, the, the norm was that you just don't do that. You show up and you play your sport and you go home and you, you don't dance on TikTok yeah, or rubble robots yeah yeah it's the robots that I uh, we still see a lot of people argue all the time but to even see them express their personality is my favorite part in my experiences and in my years of doing this that has evolved so much and we're seeing so much more of it so yeah maybe it is uh juju dancing on logos <laughs> I think like, it's it kind of cool because yeah. now he has like he has created a brand and there was so much discourse around that and I jumped in on it last year of yeah who cares you like okay he lost the playoff game he has so many brand partnerships coming in from said tiktoks he yeah. really doesn't care um yes he doesn't want to be an embarrassment toward his organization but to see people really start to just own their narrative mm-hmm. is my favorite part and also with that another answer came to mind to see athletes use their own personal channels to announce their own news yeah like what Richard Sherman did using his own podcast to announce Mm -hmm. where he was signing Um, rather than allowing other people to tell that story or own that narrative. Or, you know, we saw with JJ Watt last year. I think that is incredible and it's smart Um, and it's so much more impactful than um, I don't know, a media outlet with a breaking news tweet.
0: That's a great answer. All right. That's all the time we have. (laughs) Let's get some plugs. Where can people find you? Where should they contact you?
1: Uh, Twitter is probably Twitter, Instagram. Listen, I'm on my phone all day. We know this at Meg Reyes underscore. My website is also linked on my social. And so there is a contact form Mm -hmm. if people want to reach out, um, with professional business inquiries. So I'm always checking. I may not always be the best at replying, but that doesn't mean I didn't see it. I'm getting back to it, but definitely connect. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks
0: for coming on. Yeah, this is great. got to nerd out on Corporate Natalie. Olivia got some (laughs) shout outs. Was not expecting that, but very much enjoyed it.
1: Corporate Natalie, follow me if you hear this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you.